0: We are continuing today our Roots series where I'm pulling out some of our older episodes that I think really still have a lot of value. You can tell from these older episodes that I'm not quite as polished. In fact, in this episode, it sounds kind of preachy. I feel like I can hear my preaching voice instead of my talking voice, but the content is so good, even as I was listening through and editing out some of those ums and filler words that I said a lot that we all do in the beginning. It blessed me so much just to hear this episode. So I pray that even though it's from 2021, I pray that you will be overwhelmed with the knowledge that God loves you and he never leaves you alone. We had a hard week this past week. And for many of us, all of 2020 and 2021, depending on when you are listening to this, people have had a hard year, let alone a hard week. But in our family, we had a really hard week. And so today I thought, we would talk a little bit about how to handle those hard weeks when we're up against things that are just bigger than us. For us, for it's actually been a hard week or two. And I don't know if you've ever felt like this, but we felt like, specifically me, I felt like I was circling the same mountain and just ending up in the same exact place that I started. And I know we all have those things in, in our lives, that lingering argument, that unresolved hurt, that unspoken tension, And for me, those moments are so frustrating. By nature, I'm a doer. I want to do something about the things in life that aren't right. So in ministry or in parenting or just in life in general, this has generally served me well most of the time. But sometimes even I can't plow through that mountain. And so as I was facing one of those mountains this past week, I decided to take a new tactic, so instead of using the usual tools of these just pleading prayers and nights spent worrying, I decided to fast and pray. And I, I, I want to elaborate a little bit. For me, I remember even just a season when, when my kids were young and they were going away to the beach with somebody. And it was going to be a fantastic vacation. They had been looking forward to it. They knew how to swim. All, all the, There was really no rational reason. But I, for whatever reason, the week that they were gone kept praying, God, please protect my babies. Please protect my babies. I w- had myself so convinced that this, you know, a shark was going to eat them or a wave was going to take them out to sea. And finally, I feel like God just got upset with me and was like, enough, they're my babies first. And I was I was kind of like, oh. And that, that, but that pressure, that pleading prayer, it doesn't actually produce anything concrete other than, for me, worry or fear. And it kind of reinforces the thing that I'm so concerned about. And so I didn't want to handle it that way this time. And then the other option, or I guess it's not even an option because it's kind of natural, is just not being able to sleep and staying up at night just worrying. Or even if I'm reading scripture, I might look for specific Bible verses, that have to do with that specific thing, and I may or may not be happy with what that cherry-picked verse has to say. And I just decided, like, that's the tactics that I have used in the past when I'm circling this same mountain, and I decided to do something different. So fasting and praying, I don't know if you guys have done much of that. I I typically have done fasting as a rule, like in January when everybody else is doing their New Year's resolutions, I will do a fast for a week and just pray for what God would have me to study and learn and focus on for the year. Or if we are, we know we're headed into a hard season, a busy season, or something that's going to be challenging, we will take as a couple, my husband and I will take some time to fast and pray. But I have not really done it when it comes to like the area of breakthrough. And I know that's kind of the whole point. The whole point is taking things to the Lord in prayer where we can just spend some time focusing in on prayer over something. I just had not done that before. And I know other people had and had good results, but that was really the new way I was going to approach this. And it does help me when I fast, it does help me listen in to what God is trying to help me focus on. But this time it was just different. And as I started I didn't really feel like fasting, but I just knew that maybe God was calling me to obedience with that. But I would feel God gently prompting me to lay this mountain that we're circling down in surrender as I worked through this fast. So Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday were actually pretty easy. I studied, I prayed, I read the word, I listened, but by Thursday, not so much. By Thursday... I was frustrated with the fact that I had not yet had the breakthrough that I was hoping and praying for. Like, isn't this why we're doing what we're doing? I, I'm, I'm, You know, we had that instant brain where we're used to things quickly happening, and I, I wasn't seeing that in my timing, what I thought should be happening. So I was frustrated. I was more frustrated even than I had been on Monday, to be perfectly honest, and praying through this. God really started to remind me of something powerful. Some battles are fought in the posture of prayer, while some battles are fought in the posture of praise. And again, this was something new for me. And and when the Lord reminded me and and put that on my heart, I thought, man, God, I need you to show me what you're talking about because I I I don't really know how to do this. And almost immediately, I was reminded of the story from Second Chronicles chapter 20, when King Jehoshaphat was getting ready to fight the Moabites, and I don't know if that's how you say it, Moabites, and the Ammonites, anyway, those guys, they were basically enemies of God's people. So King Jehoshaphat called God's people together to fast and to pray and to ask for God's help. This was very much the same place I was finding myself, just facing an enemy that was bigger than myself, bigger than my situation. And like many of us, it wasn't that the king didn't fear the battle he was facing. He, He did. It was just that he feared the Lord more. And fear, sometimes that gets a negative connotation. That word for fear is really talking about that sense of awe where we know that God is so much bigger. Than even our circumstance. And so when we speak of biblical fear, awe, honor, respect, it's just that knowing that God is bigger. And the last part of verse 12 is a prayer that really echoed in my heart for this whole last week. It says, We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Oh, Lord, as 2021 20, even has already proven rocky. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you as we carry with us hurts So we don't know how to forgive. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. When we face these mountains that refuse to move, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And in response to the King's prayer, This is so cool. The spirit of the Lord responded in a way that only God can. In verse 15, he says, he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours, but God's. Do you hear that friend? The battle is not yours, but God's. The response of the king then, and this is where I really heard God speak in this moment. The response of the king was praise. Had the battle been won yet? No, it hadn't even started. But the confidence that comes when you can stand in a place of surrender to the only one who can win the battle that we can't see yet, that's the confidence that I'm talking about. That's where peace comes from. So in our weakness, we are not the ones that who are called to fight. Instead, we're called to surrender to the only one who can win the fight. In King Jehoshaphat's story, we read that this battle did not, in fact, get fought by him. Instead, the Lord's hand moves in a powerful way as the Lord proved himself faithful. Again, God is so faithful. And so as I meditated on this, that was so closely aligned to everything I was already feeling. And I just heard God whisper some powerful words in my own heart. The God of Moses, the God of Daniel. The God of King Jehoshaphat, he's the God of Rachel. And guess what? That means he's the God of you too, friend. I want you to rest in that knowledge that you are incredibly loved by the one who fights our battles. I want to read that verse to you again. Second Chronicles 20 verse 15. Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. So for us, this week, we were waiting on news. And so all of that happened Thursday. And I spent some time in praise and worship and just on my knees in surrender. And so we're waiting on this news. We have been fasting and praying over in a place of surrender and peace. So, fast forward a couple of days, and I'm now walking in more confidence than I had previously. And I knew that on a conscious level, I knew that in my spirit, I did have peace, but I still was waffling between this place of peace and panic. So, some moments I was desperate and on my knees and doing those pleading prayers that I had promised not to do this time. And then, some moments I was fully confident in God and and his hand being in the situation. So it was going back and forth. And I think sometimes we do that. That's our flesh and our spirit warring. We can have complete peace and confidence in our spirit. And then our flesh kind of just takes over and man, are we back to that, to that place of desperation. I think that's all the more evidence of why we need a savior really. And so the news finally came. And when the news came, it was the opposite of what we wanted, despite our fasting and praying and our preparing and our planning and our peace that we had and our confidence that we had. We were met with really what felt like the devastation of what we were praying against. And so I wish I could say that in my shock and my sorrow, I was immediately filled with peace. Because, well, God. And I wish I could say that. And I wish I could say that immediately my mind was filled with Bible verses about how God was going to work in me during this next stage that we were headed into. I wish I could say that my mind and my heart recognized God's hand in the situation, despite how it looked and sounded. But the reality is, is, I can't say any of those things. Instead, if I can be honest with you, I sat down and I cried. And I cried and I cried and I cried. I cried for several days. And even as I wrote down the notes for today, I cried. Because my heart really felt broken. And I felt confused. Like, you know, I take comfort in knowing that I'm not alone. I know we all experience moments of heartache and this fallen world that we live in because of sin, but right now in these moments, I just wanted to crawl into bed and sit in sorrow. And so, the next morning after we got this news, I was huddled in my bed with my weighted blanket. <laughs> Most of the time, I, I I don't even know why I like the weighted blanket so much because I'm not. I don't really like to be bear-hugged, but that's, I don't know, it just feels comforting. So normally I have that around me, but that wasn't even enough. I had to hide my head underneath it, almost like this womb, cocoon thing, hiding from the world. And I heard the Lord whisper, despite my attempts to stay hidden, I'm still here. I didn't respond. I didn't feel like he was with me, despite the promise and the confidence I had just a few days earlier, and I teach everybody that will listen this promise. I do this thing where I always I teach kids a lot, and so I always tell the kids that we have five fingers for a reason. And so I look down at my hands, and each word I usually teach the kids each finger comes with one word, and so that would go like with your thumb I, with your pointer finger will, and so on with the rest of your fingers never leave you. There's five words, five fingers. I will never leave you. It's a really easy thing to teach kids. So I look down at my hand and I hear this whisper. I'm still here. And as I'm looking down at my hand, the Lord reminded me of the very thing that I have taught thousands of kids all over the world about this promise, looking at my hand. And so I pulled out one finger at a time and I said it out loud, the same words that God was reminding me. I will Never leave you. And throughout the scriptures, we see this promise. It's in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. With my righteous right hand, fear not for I'm with you, is what the beginning part of that verse. Then in Deuteronomy 3.16, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Matthew twenty eight twenty, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Romans 8, 39, for I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I could go on and on. All of these verses that we've used to teach all sorts of kids all over the world about how God will never leave us. But in that moment, I didn't feel any of them. I felt alone. I felt sad. I felt confused. But there's something that comes in addition to our feeling it's unknowing. In our sorrow, We cannot rely on what we feel. We must rely on what we know. And we know that God's word is true. We know this is true. So in these moments, when I think about how God parted the water for Moses, I also recognize that he filled the seas for Noah. And that doesn't mean that God wasn't with Noah. In fact, the opposite was true. God sustained and protected Noah while the world around him fell apart. It's perspective. So today, I'm choosing to look for peace that comes from knowing God is with me during the storm, that his protection and provision are enough, that even if I don't feel it, I know it. And that that's enough to get us through today. Dear friend, I don't know what you're facing, but my hunch is that you're facing something. Very few of us have gotten through 2021 unscathed. And I know that the promise of 2021 was better than the promise of or or, or the reality of 2020. But we're a couple months in now and there's still just chaos. It might not feel like he's with us, but it has to be about what we know. And we know God's word is true. We know When we don't know what to do, our eyes are on you. Friend, I want to pray for you. I want you to know that I'm here for you. There is in the show notes a link to my website so you can reach out for prayer. But regardless, I'm praying for you. I know that we are all kind of walking in just heaviness of this season. And while we're starting to see things open up and this enticement and this excitement, there's just also sometimes the reality of things don't go our way. The way that we have confidence they will, or the way that we have peace about it, despite our fasting and praying or pleading. But what we know is that God will never leave us. So this week, if you're feeling separated, I want you to look down at your hand. I want you to look at your hand and see your five fingers and remember the things that we teach the kids. We have one finger to remind us of each word. I will never leave you. Friend, that is a promise. That is a promise from God. I want to pray for you, and I appreciate having the privilege of being able to pray for you. Dear God, I just want to lift up my listener today. God, I thank you for the promise that we see in your word over and over and over again. I will never leave you, despite the way it feels despite what our circumstances say, despite the sorrow we may feel over circumstances, we know that your word is true and your word says that you will never leave us. So Lord, I pray for my listener, even right now, that they would sense your spirit, that your presence would be tangible and real and present in such a powerful way that they would sense you even more than they ever have before, God. That it wouldn't just be a fleeting moment, but they would feel you starting to draw you closer to themselves. God, I pray for hearts to be open, for eyes to be open, and for this season of brokenness to be the very thing that allows your light in. God, I thank you that you can work in amazing, miraculous ways, in ways that we can't even anticipate. I thank you that you are a God that walks alongside of us, that stays with us in our sorrow. God, I thank you and I praise you in all things. Amen. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey, friends.